Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose, a podcast made possible by Skylife Success, a SkyPass group company. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Thank you again for the continued increase in viewership on YouTube and listenership on the podcast. At times, it looks like all we are doing is indulging in our own self-aggrandizement and self-promotion. But I think the social media world we live in requires gratitude to those that make it work. I'm amazed that over 8,500 folks or 8,500 listens have taken place to a podcast that has barely 70 episodes. So either many are listening to it multiple times or some are faithfully listening to everyone that's put out. For this, we are deeply grateful. On the YouTube channel, it has grown organically by itself and we are teetering on 2,000 subscribers. So Kindly spread the word if you think these kind of messages of hope and optimism, ones that are scripturally sound and societally challenging, are those that will actually engage you and encourage you. The last one we put out was on goal setting, and this time, I don't know why, I want to talk about a simple premise called RAIN, R-E-I-G-N, or RUIN, R-U-I-N. Now, when I look at ruins, uh, first of all, let's look at it geographically, let's look at it historically, and then we can look at it from a character point of view. But uh, it is not uncommon to go in some of the ancient places uh, that existed uh, that are now modern metropolises around them to see the ruins of old. I remember when we were in Egypt and uh, you go through a hustling and a bustling metropolis, you come through the cacophony of a marketplace, you got people vying uh, for your attention, they're applying their wares, they're dragging you into stores of that sell carpets. Uh, they want you to do everything because their attention, uh, time is small, and they know you're there to gawk at something historic. Of course, we were there to see the pyramids of Giza that dot the landscape, the plateau, those three majestic pyramids there along with the sphinx in front of it. No wonder they've been called wonders of the ancient world. Uh, If you go to India, you'll see the Taj Mahal. I guess that comes into the modern world category because that was built in the 16 or 1700s. You go across, uh, you see the natural wonders of the world. But one of the things that has always fascinated me is ruins. The ruins and what they represent, because at one time they had a stoic significance to them, and that's why history has not raised them completely from memory though we're trying to do that in different parts and maybe we'll address that element as well. But I remember last year around this time, I was getting ready to make a trip to Albania. It was going to be my first trip there. And I've talked ad nauseum about my trip there and the miracles that took place because my time in Albania was cut short with the contagion. And in fact, as I was packing my bags this morning, or at least airing out the suitcases that are getting ready to be used on a trip next week, I pulled out a bag that had last made its international voyage to the country of Albania, and I found some business cards in there from people I met and hopefully will meet again. 
As I was sifting through that, I thought of the ruins of Albania because right across from my hotel was an old Roman Colosseum. They say the Illyricum mentioned in Romans 13, the Roman road passed through Albania. But all that aside, when you're walking on the streets of Tirana or you're walking on the streets of Duress, which is where I was, you'll see a pillar out of nowhere. You'll see an old stone structure out of nowhere. There may be a metallic plaque attached to it or something engraved into the sidewalk, but there's a hustle that goes on around it. But in the middle of nowhere is a pillar, and they say this dates back to Rome. Now, Rome had its glory days, and at one time all roads led to Rome, and if you ever want a chance to look at civilization and its impact, uh, maybe you go on your Amazon channel and uh, pick up Francis Schaeffer's 10-part series on How Then Shall We Live. And he starts with Rome. Rome was never conquered from within. The Roman ruins we see are now in different parts of the world. Even when you go to Rome, and I've been there, and you walk past the Colosseum, uh, you will see uh, a, a shell of its former self, but it's still grandeur. You walk through different parts, and you will suddenly see pillars erected to their gods. But that was what, even though Constantine had become the emperor of Rome and made Christianity a state religion, there was an apathy that set in. And the reason I'm talking so much about ruins is when you look at your own culture, wherever in the world you're watching this, when you look at the history and the geography of the landscape on which you operate, and you go back in time and look at some of the things that are past. When I was in a museum in Greece, they showed artifacts there at the Acropolis that were 4,000 and 5,000 BC. Now, the reason we look at ruins is we always wonder about the marvel that civilization did exist before us, that maybe our problems are not unique because problems existed before us. Maybe inconvenience is not unique to us because inconvenience existed before us. But every time I look at ruin, I think of the word rain, R-E-I-N, R-E-I-G-N. How then are we supposed to live, as Francis Schaeffer would say? What are the things we can look at amidst the ruins of our lives that are physical? about the ruin of our life that is spiritual, about the ruin of our life that is familial, about the ruin of our life that is uh, moral. Uh, all these trepidations that we see and all these anxieties we have create that sense of fluster. So I title this Rain or Ruin. When you look at your life right now, as you're listening to this, as you're watching this, what are some things you can look at, visible symbols of ruin in your life? Just like that pillar in the street of duress or uh, the pillars dotting some of the highways and byways of Rome or the countrysides of Italy. Uh, when you look at the Roman Empire from Hadrian's Wall, it, it, it embarked from all the way from the Atlantic all the way up to the Caspian Sea. So they had glory, but amidst that glory was ruins are all that is left because nobody conquered that might. Now let's reflect on the might of you as a human being and the, the, the fight that you as a human being are going to embark on. Do you see possibility amongst those things that are ruined? And do you see rain? Do you see an overcoming? Do you see a conquering of that? So there are three elements I want to present to you in this rather bizarre topic of how do you overcome the ruin in your life uh, when you look at the landscape, when you look at your own history, when you look at some of the mistakes you have made, when you look at some of the travesties you have participated in, when you look at some of the losses you have endured, and then immediately look at the good that some of it came out. Did your past beat you or did it teach you? And then how then can you build a rain out of a ruin?
And this is very, very interesting and narrow, and I don't know why I'm embarking on this, but something stoked my imagination here saying that when you look, I mean, uh, how, how did Calvin put it in the Institute of Religions? He says, every idle mind is an endless factory of idolatry. Uh, he was talking about uh, a, a spiritual mindset that when you look in your mind's eye at your life, do you see a deep devotion to that which allows you to have promise because you were created in the image of God and given his hope and his possibility and given his mind? Or do you see the ruin of civilization and a haplessness and a helplessness that begins to manifest? And I, I found this fascinating because someone asked me the other day on one of the questions, do you ever have down days? And I said, obviously I have down days. I'm not motivated all the time. But the follow-up question they asked me was, how do you stay motivated? And the way you stay motivated is make sure that you're looking at everything in your life and asking yourself how I can reign over this. So the first component is, who are you competing with? You'll only be able to reign over the ruin if you're competing primarily with yourself before you're competing with society, before you're competing with colleagues, before you're competing with family, before you're competing with siblings, before you're competing with organizations, and before you're competing with product. What does that mean? It simply means, as Mr. Ziegler would say all those years ago, the first appointment you have every morning is the appointment you have with yourself. And one of the beautiful illustrations he gave was actually from a product element, but he talked about uh, going into a, one of the persons who reported to him in a direct sales organization where we were selling heavy-duty waterless cookware. And he walked in, and this guy was, woe is me, and I've got all these problems, and my life is in ruins, and my life is in shambles. And Mr. Ziegler looked on his kitchen countertop, and he said, how come you do not use the product you're selling? And that guy said, well, my kids have insurance issues. One of them needs dental work. One of them needs mental work. I don't know what the issues were. But he had excuses a dime a dozen as to why his life was in ruin and why he couldn't reign over it. And the summation came is you're not competing with yourself enough. And if you don't compete with yourself enough, you'll never be able to compete with anybody else. He says, if you do not have the product that you're selling on your when you wake up in the morning and you don't cook in it, how can you with considerable enthusiasm sell it? And I'll never forget that illustration because I remember one day when the phone rang and a call came for Mr. Ziegler to come and speak in Panama City, Panama, and they asked me how much. And without batting an eyelid, I gave 75000 as the number and I gave a bunch of other things of requirements. And I went to Panama with him, obviously, as a result of the requirements we put in place. And I look back in hindsight and I remember Mr. Ziegler when we were standing in the Miraflores dock, uh, locks where he had just turned that 1913 computer and unleashed 50 million gallons of water into the lock, thus enabling a ship to pass by two oceans. This man who grew up in Yazoo City, Mississippi, in the heart of poverty, in the height of the depression, with nothing to his name, had now done something that was reserved for celebrities. And he looked at me and he says, this day would not have happened had you not believed in me as much as you did. And I thought back to the day when I answered the phone and said $75,000. At that time, my competition would have been the other speakers. The competition would be someone who was offered at 50000 The competition would be maybe they can get someone who was also a best-selling author, or I could compete with myself and say $75,000 with considerable enthusiasm and confidence because I believed at that particular moment I had used this product to transform my life. And for my life's own worth, I was giving away a $150,000 product as a discount at a discount. 
So that's rain. That's rain over the moment by competing with yourself. The second is consultation. If the first is competition to make your rain over your ruin, what is consultation? Who is the input in your mind or what is the source of input in your mind that becomes the course that flows through you and eventually becomes the force that comes from you? Your input matters. And we are now living in some very dire times. People ask me, you know, how have you progressed in 2021. I knew 2021 would not be a magic pill. I knew that 2021 would not suddenly overnight uh, just because we sang that the ball dropped in New York or wherever and we watched a, a channel following the celebration from New Zealand all the way to wherever on this side of the dateline and followed that 23-hour cycle as each person rang in the new year. Suddenly we would forget that a pandemic still existed. Suddenly we would forget that a vaccine might still be needed to travel. Suddenly we would forget that day by day they are finding out different ways in which people are being diagnosed and additional symptoms and new strains. When January 1 of 2021 rolled around, I did not have any myth in my mind that somehow something would radically change because chronologically a day had changed. I made sure my consultation was A, from the word of God. What is he saying to me that has been said before since the beginning of time? In the book of Hebrews, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He still reigns. So I said, am I going to supplant my authority to man-made identity of what this virus can or cannot do? Maybe it will decimate society and maybe we'll be a fraction of what we were. But how then, as Francis Schaeffer says and reiterating that, how then shall we live? So consultation, where is your source of input coming from? I switched off all news. Every once in a while through some email subscription that I forgot something will pop up and I'll watch and I'll say, wow, I wonder what has happened. And suddenly I'll realize that I'm about 13 days late to that cycle. In switching off, even though I'm a communicator and I talk to a global audience almost daily, I thought to myself, I have enough wherewithal within me and understanding of the world without dealing with current events. Because what do the current events deal with? And if a consultation is, comes through that aperture, then you're going to be jaded. It deals with prejudice. It deals with racism. It deals with discrimination. It deals with disenfranchisement. It deals with identity. It deals with dysphoria. It deals with all of these man-made constructs. Uh, whether you attribute them to science or whether you attribute them to man, it doesn't really matter. A moral law that comes without a moral lawgiver jettisons that whole concept of mercy in this world and begins a cry for justice in this world. And if that is the filter through which you're receiving information and consultation, you're hoping that those that are talking to you are the ones that are going to be able to solve your problem. You'll be in ruin again. If you want to reign, make sure that the voice you hear, and going back to that statement, your idle mind is an endless factory of idolatry. The third is confidence. Confidence requires both skill and will. Recently, I was talking to a friend of mine, a childhood friend of mine who has a dire prognosis on his hand. I'm pretty sure, I'm confident because of his abilities and all of the other things, I'm sure that God will prevail. God will give him the guidance and the strength. This is a noble man. This is a guy who has done much for me. He has done much for my family. He has done much for society. But when you have that kind of a medical diagnosis, everything changes. As he was talking to me, I suddenly, my heart sank. I suddenly realized 
that my confidence in what is left in this life is now being measured by the impact of others being affected who are of my same demographic. Some of my friends have already passed. Some of them succumbed to deadly ailments, some of them to self-inflicted causes. But as I look at uh, almost completing six decades of existence on planet Earth, not knowing how much more I'll have left, when I talk about my confidence, it comes in a totalitarian way of three different things. First, I ask myself, let me be proud of my origins. My confidence is always going to become from being proud of my origins. The other day I was reading the story of the prodigal son and how he demanded his inheritance. And when he got his inheritance, he immediately went away to the far country or went far away. See, sometimes in our desire to take that which we believe we deserve, we will run away to some other place because we want to enjoy the, the spoils of our ill-gotten gains in relative anonymity. Confidence that comes from shrinking, shrinking away or believing that you have conquered uh, the, the immediate geography is not really confidence. That's actually cowardice. So the first is be proud of where you're from and stand tall and walk firm there. The second is be proud of where you are right now. So A, be proud of where you came from. Second, be proud of where you are. Some of the warts and the lumps we have taken are enough to make us run for the hills. Many a day I asked God, I said, why me? Why now? Why here? And the answer is always, why not? What makes you so special that you think you're immune to anything that is being offered? So first have pride from where you, whence you came. Have pride for where you are. And third, have prayer for where you will be. This pride that comes through prayer is a healthy self-pride that is built on promise. A promise that I go before you and I build a mansion for you. At where you went in my father's house are many rooms. So when you look at the rain in your life, don't look at the ruin that has around you, that is behind you, that is visible. Look at the rain that is supernatural. Don't look at the ruin that is natural. Hopefully this message has uplifted you in some way and given you a different kind of hope. It's a very narrow thread between rain and ruin. And I encourage you to stay in the realm of rain. And that concludes another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose with Krish Dunham brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at krishdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.